Father, we just want to thank you for your word. It's so good. It's so powerful. And Lord, you cleanse us, reveal your word through our lives, Father God. I just pray that the seeds that we hear this morning will go deep. Lord, that each one of us would walk out this morning encouraged and alive in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this week's been an interesting week for me. I got to go fishing, and I have to mention this because I went with uh, Lockie. Where's Lockie? Give us a shout out, bro. <laughs> and um, we're going to talk about this. Anyway, I need to have, first of all, show the gratuitous photo. Can we put that up, please? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's nice. That was the smallest one we got. <laughs> no, I got a few jiffies. Okay, you can take it off. Probably a bit distracting for everyone. Um, <laughs> it was a fun trip. Anyway. This morning, I'm just going to be talking a little bit about who we are as people. And um, one of the things that is with me is that I'm a little heavy-handed. I don't know if anyone else is in the place, but yeah, I tend to break things. That's my, I don't know, forte, I guess. I'm a lot stronger than I look, even though I look hugely strong. I'm even stronger than what I look. And um, so it's funny how we get identified as different things right throughout life. And... Um, on the trip, we just, you know, you, you sort of tease each other a little bit about different things anyway. So I'll just give you a little bit of a history about the things that I managed to break. <laughs> so first of all, George is asking me, he goes, Neil, can you open the esky? No worries. Crack. I don't worry about opening the little levers. I just lift it up. Okay, so that's broken. Anyway, next minute, I've got this little fish. I'm dangling it over the side. It's the first time I've caught it. It's a coral trout. And I'm so excited, so I'm dangling it over the side to cut the, the throat. Sorry, guys, but that's <laughs> I'll leave that stuff out. Okay, dangling it over the side for some reason unknown. <laughs> and I, um, I managed to drop it. So I dropped this fish in the water. It's got this fish holder thing on it. And so I dive to get it over the boat. So I'm sort of hanging half out the boat. And I get up, and the fish has got away. But anyway, because it was dead by then, it floated around the back, and we just picked it up. Anyway, next minute, George goes, look at the canopy. I'd managed to land on the bar, and it's like this. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> we straightened it, sort of. <laughs> and then, um, then we, you know, we've got the allure out, because I thought, oh, I'll do a little bit of trolling. And uh, George forgot to pull something into the boat, so he's pulling it in, but as he's doing it, he's turning that way. Next minute, I'm like, my line's just going, you know, like big fish on it. Big fish was our boat. It was caught around the motor. And so anyway, a bit of time trying to get undone in the middle of the ocean. Like, should we jump in? Shouldn't we jump in? Uh, no, we went off to the beach. Anyway, that's the only three things that happened, really. <laughs> the funny thing is, though, like, because, you know, as blokes, you just tease each other. It didn't matter what went wrong or what got broken in the boat. From then on, it was me, right? Because that's who I am. I just break things. Even when it wasn't true, that was how I was identified. And I just wanted to really talk a little bit about us this morning. Like, identity is one of these funny words that gets thrown around a lot, um, I guess, in Christian talks. Knowing who we are or what, what's our identity um, and things like that. But it's actually really important. And what I wanted to do this morning is just identify that this is one of the things that Satan will definitely try to destroy in your life. 
There's no doubt about it. He will try and destroy your identity as a child of God. Who are you? Who do you belong to? And what I wanted to do is just give a little list of things I thought about as um, I was thinking about this, of what signs there might be in your life that you do not really know who you are, that you really don't know who you belong to. Because you know what? This world is, is actually more and more breaking down the things that are our identity, right? When you think about it. There's a lot of confused people. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm about. I don't know where I'm going. I don't have a purpose. I don't have a plan in my life. And that's a pretty common thought, you know, like I'm lost. I'm just lost. Who am I? But when you think about it, the world is becoming more and more ambiguous about who I am. Let's take evolution, for example. If I'm just evolving from primordial swamp and becoming a human being, who do I belong to? If I don't have an origin in God, where do I really come from? Am I actually anybody that matters? The, the more normal thing now is like, what's my identity as a person? Even though I was born male and I've got male attributes, maybe I'm actually really female. There's all these things that play into it. And, and so as a society, we become more and more insecure about who we are. And yet every day it's almost plugged at us you can be anything, but who am I? How do I know who I am? This is one of the most important things that we need to know as a Christian, is who am I? Who do I belong to? And, and we're about to read a story in Matthew about that. When Jesus was faced with the devil, he'd gone out into the wilderness to fast and pray, and during that time he was tempted by Satan, the Bible says, before he came back and started his ministry. Now, you've got to think this is one of the most pivotal points in the life of Jesus Christ because it is directly before he starts his ministry. And so there's going to be an attack against him because if Satan can destroy the knowledge that he belongs to God, that he is loved by his Father, that that is all that matters in life, that he can be, can be secure and strong in that, if Satan can actually rip that away from him, it will stop everything. Now, in this story, we're going to see that Jesus was tempted in a number of ways. But the way Satan puts the question to him is really important. So let's read that in Matthew. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 3 here, but we're going to read on from that. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came to him and said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the Scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you're the Son of God, jump off. For the Scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Next. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. 
So he see in this story a few different temptations, and they're the temptations that we face every day as Christians. First of all, it was like, if you're the son of God, turn these, these stones into bread. In other words, what do you need? What do you need? What, what do I need? Can I trust someone to give me everything that I need? The second thing was all the lands of the world, the riches. In, in other words, what belongs, what belongs um, sorry, safety, the security. If, if you're the son of God, jump off. And the Bible says that the angels will grab hold of you so you won't even hurt your foot. Can I trust God for my safety and my security in life? And number three was obviously, is God actually God? Kneel down and worship me. In other words, other things in our life that we tend to go and worship, can we put them in the place of God? But what did Satan say at the beginning of each of those, well, not the third temptation, but the first two? If you are what? The son of God. If you are the son of God, do this. Now, this is one of the things that we need to understand is that if we do not know who we are, then we are going to try to do things for ourselves, or we're going to try and test God in ways that we shouldn't. And the question that Satan was asking Jesus was not, can you actually do this? Can you turn the stones into bread? He knew that he could. The question wasn't, will your heavenly Father protect you? He knew that he would. The question was, do you know who you are? In other words, if you are the son of God, he was attacking Jesus' identity. Now what happens with us is that because we become insecure, we want to prove something, that we have an identity, that, that we are somebody. Now every one of us here at some stage has been attacked in that area, haven't we? Have you ever had those words whispered lovingly in your ear by Satan? If you're really a Christian, if God really loved you, if God is who he says he is, and you start to doubt those things in your heart, am I really a Christian? The thing is that this is how Satan is going to get into your life. He's going to attack who you are. In other words, you're like, well, maybe I'm not good enough for God. Maybe he doesn't really love me. Maybe... He doesn't really want to protect me. Maybe he doesn't really want to supply my needs. Even though the word of God says it, can I really believe it? Has anyone else faced that? Or is that just me? Where you feel like, I know that the Bible says, but can I really believe it? And this is one of the things that we need to get in our life, to know who we are so we are secure in Christ Jesus. Knowing that it's never about us, but it's about him and the work that he's done. That he is the one who's going to work with power in our life. He is the one who's going to supply our needs. He is the one who we should be bowed down to worship. And the problem with that is that we do not put God first in our lives and really, truly worship him. And that is why we become insecure. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But firstly, I just want to read out a little bit of a list that 
you can think about. I want you to take this home. I want you to think about it in your life. Are these things evident in my life? Because there are some things that will come up that will actually show you that you're insecure, that you don't really know who you are because you have to act in certain ways to try and prove it or to gain approval. So many people are out trying to gain approval, even from God. Although he says he loves me, I need to gain his approval. But our approval is gained the day we say yes to Jesus Christ and invite him into our life. Number one, you will know you do not know your identity as a child of God if you live in fear and insecurity. How's that in your life? Do you live day to day in fear? Worried about the things that might come? Worried about the things of the past? Have you got anxiety? Jesus had no anxiety at all because he trusted his heavenly Father. He knew that he was the Son of God. He didn't have to prove it, and we don't have to prove it either. We don't have to prove that we're sons and daughters of God. We just are. But are we secure in that? The Bible says that we are not to be anxious, but instead we're to pray about everything, giving thanks to God for what he's done, thanking him for all he's done and asking him for the things that we need. And then the peace of God comes. Are those things in your life, it might mean you have an identity crisis. I'm not sure about anything. It's shown up in insecurity. In other words, I never feel secure. I never feel safe. I never feel that God's love is actually going to be with me no matter what. Even though I read in the Bible that nothing can separate me from his love, I feel insecure. Why? You lack the identity of who you are. You forget that you are a child of God. Number three, you allow yourself to be controlled. And on the flip side of that, you could want to control others. Both of those things show that you do not know who you are. Because you cannot be who you really are. You, you feel controlled by the people around you and you allow yourself to be controlled because you don't want to buck against the trend. You don't want to be different. You don't want to come against something that you know is not right in case why people reject you. Or you want to control others. You want to take control of everything because if I can have it in my control, then at least I know what's happening. If that's you, you don't know who you are because you're always trying to control others. You see, God doesn't work that way with us. He never has. He never tries to control us. He's given us our, our free will to worship him or not to worship him. We cannot make other people love us. We cannot force them into relationship with us. And often control is about having the respect that I deserve. I'm not secure that without that control, I'm actually a whole person. This will be number five. Trying to make people 
in your own image. I don't know if you've ever been like that, where you just want everyone to be just like you because you are the perfect image that everybody should be. So you will try to form your kids to be who you are. You will try to make them who you want them to be. You will try to manipulate people to be something that you want them to be because it fits your image. You're not secure. You don't know who you are. You have no identity because those who are secure in their identity will let others grow into who they're supposed to be. And this is the beauty of God in your life, that once he gave you Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to move within you, he never tries to make you anybody except for who you are. He has made you who you are. He's given you gifts and talents and abilities and a character that belongs to you. And all God wants to do is enhance that in your life to make you the best you that you can be. He, he doesn't have to try to make people in his image. We are in his image. But as people, we are not perfect. We are not God. And we should never try to make other people be like us because we are not the standard. He is. And when it comes to that, I want you to think about this. Because often we think that, that as Christians, it's all about how I act, the things I do, the things I don't do. What is it that I'm doing that makes me like God? Can you just let that go for a minute? I wrote about it, I've said it before and I'll say it again. You are not who you obey. You don't become like the one who you obey. You become like the one you love. You become like the one that you love. You see, we can obey anybody because we have to. But when we are doing that, we never become like them. We become who we love and who we worship, who is the first in our life. And if we can learn that, we can love on God and learn to love Him. And guess what happens? We change. We change without even trying. It's like the farmer that puts his seed into the ground. And that's how God works in our life. He puts these seeds in our life. And, and the Bible says about a farmer that he goes to sleep and wakes up. He doesn't know how the seed grows. But all he sees is these shoots coming up in his life. The farmer isn't out there at night digging up the seed, looking for the embryo things that are in there and starting to pull a leaf up. Maybe I can make this happen. Maybe I can get this weed out. Maybe I'll pull it up a little bit higher and get the stalk and how am I going to get the fruit? I don't even know how to do that. Yet what do we do as Christians so many times? We try, we strive, we struggle. I need to be more better. I need to be gooder. I need to be whatever it is. And God's saying, no, you just need to love me. You just need to love me. You need to spend time in my presence and time in my word. And guess what happens? You don't even try because all of a sudden this seed, this incorruptible seed of the word of God begins to sprout in your life and you'll come across a situation and you're going to go, I don't know why I handled that. I don't know why I didn't get angry. I don't know why I didn't desire that thing that has been ruining my life and controlling me. I don't know why I didn't but I didn't, and I didn't even try. 
And it's because the word of God gets planted in your life. And as you love on him, you become like him. In other words, if you go into the prayer closet and come out the same as you were, you probably didn't spend time with him. You probably went in with this big list. God, give me this, give me that, give me that. And then you ask for one for you. What do I need to do for you, Lord? What's my jobs? What's my job description? So I can go out and do it the best I can. And in all of that, none of that is wrong. Because we're meant to ask God. And we're meant to listen so that he can send us. But we forget one thing. The relationship that we have with him is key. Think about it. Who's your friends? Who do you become like? The group of people that you hang around. It's huge, right? I was playing footy when I was a young kid. There's a team in Brisbane that I used to play for, and it was actually called the Brisbane Devils. Yes, I played with the Devils. Uh, I didn't become one. But this team, I was 17 at the time, they swore like anything. Honestly, I've never been in a team that swears like they did. They were just really bad. <laughs> so I'm playing with them, and after a few weeks, I hit my finger, and I didn't say hallelujah, I said another word. And I was like, whoa, where did that come from? See, I wasn't going around thinking about how can I learn how to swear. Look up the book of swear words, that's a good one for this situation. When you hit your thumb, this is the expletive. It rubbed off on me. I became a little bit like them. But you know what was good? That God showed me, the Holy Spirit showed me what was going on, and I was like, I need to watch that. And so then I went back with this different mindset, right, I know what I've got to do, God, to resist that, but how do I do it? Love you, God. You become like the one you love, and you become like who you hang about. That's how it works. And so as Christians, it's so important that we don't try to make people in our image, but we let God's image be formed in us. Make sure that you spend time in worship. Make sure you spend time with the saints, but also be engaged with this world. Number six is having a high focus on performance. even to God. And the high focus on performance is so that you can gain other people's approval. If that's what you're like, if you're always like, I need to do more so that I can gain approval, you don't know who you are. You're not confident in who you are. So when you're trying to always please others, not in the right way, but please others so that you can get recognition, so that they can love you back. You don't know who you are. See, when Jesus was tempted, he didn't sort of get into this insecure bubble and go, oh, you're right, Satan. Oh, what, if, what if I'm not the son of God? What if I'm not really loved by my father? What if God doesn't really own everything? What if he isn't the Lord of all and give into it? He was secure in who he was and he didn't have to prove a thing to Satan. 
The challenge was there. If you're the son of God, do this. He had to prove absolutely nothing. next one number seven you don't want to make decisions in life in case you're wrong and others disapprove of that decision that you've made and that is more important if that's you you don't know who you are you haven't come to this place of being settled in who you are in other words you never want to make a decision you, you, you lack confidence, you lack the understanding that God is actually with you and that he wants to lead and guide you, so you, you are indecisive about everything in life. Doubly minded, the, the Bible calls people like that. And you know what doubly minded people get from God? Nothing at all. James says that, that if you're double minded, you will receive nothing from the Lord and so for us as Christians, it's so important to understand God is with us, God is for us. If we make him the center of our life, if we worship him, we become like him, and then our prayers are pure. We can ask whatever we want, and we can have it because we have pure prayers. The last one I got there is gaining approval by pleasing others. We've sort of talked about that a little bit. But you know how this world works, especially young people. Usually as you get older, like myself, you don't care so much what people think. But there is a lot of depression, anxiety, fear amongst young people because they are not living up to an image that is pushed upon them. Whether it's the way you look, whether it's the things you wear, whether it's the sports you play, the music you like, whatever it might be, you lack identity, you don't understand who you are in Christ. You need to go, I am so sure, I know who I am, because that is going to hold you in good stead. When we feel that if we have to do something to gain someone else's approval, we are not us. We are not who we're meant to be. And what, what is happening is that you are being robbed of the very life of God that he has given you to be you to love the things that you love, to do the things that you do without being ashamed of anything. We need not be ashamed because we have a great Heavenly Father. And I just want to talk to you a little bit about that in terms of our adoption as children of God. Because once we know that we belong to Him, everything changes. Once we spend time with him, everything changes. There's a couple of people here that have adopted children. Um, there may be some people here that have been adopted. Well, there has to be if they've adopted someone, <laughs> right? Did you know being adopted is such a privilege? And in some ways stronger than actually being born to someone. You think about it. We think of our relationship with Christ like this so often, don't we? I found Jesus. I found Jesus. I found God. 
But the truth of it is this, that God found us, that he sent his son so that we could be saved. Imagine that you were adopting a, a child. What does it take? It takes a whole lot of money. It can be a very expensive process. You would go to wherever that, that child is that your heart is for and, and you'd look around and you'd, you'd say, I've, I've come to get you and put you into my family. Being adopted is powerful because what it is is someone going and looking for you to grab you who is an orphan, maybe, without a hope, without a future, and to say, I want you in my family. A deliberate decision, a costly decision usually for the person that's coming to get you. And that's what we are in God's family. Let's have a look at Romans. Chapter 8, 14 to 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. That's a good thing. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Paul's talking about a time of suffering that he's going through. But can you see that? That each one of us has been adopted into God's family. This gives us privileges and rights that we did not have when we didn't know God. This costly decision of God to send Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins so that we could be adopted into his family also gives us some great benefits if we choose to take them. Yeah, we see Christians that live with a fearful spirit in this world because why? They don't understand that they are now God's children. They don't really understand who God is because some people come with this funny mindset that God is just out to kill us, punish us, destroy us, make us fearful, give us a list of rules. Yet that's not what it says. He is out to give us his spirit in our heart. We don't have a fearful spirit anymore. Instead, he's placed the Holy Spirit in our heart that makes us not fearful slaves. In fact, the Spirit of God within us makes us alive to Christ. And so grabbing hold of that promise and that truth that's in our life changes everything. We are not living by rules and regulations and laws and, and things like that. We now have his spirit inside of us. And when we understand who we are, that it is God's life living in us, it changes everything. There are so many fears that you have that when you really understand that God has made you his child, will go. Because just like Jesus, you will understand that he will provide everything that you need. And you understand that he will protect you and look after you in life. Even when it's tough. Even when it's hard. I love how King David said, you know... I have never seen the righteous forsaken or the seed of God begging for bread. God is everything to us. And when we understand we belong to him, we change how we think. 
We don't care about the opinions of others so much. We don't care about what we wear. We don't care about if we've got the latest thing because we are not looking for approval from anyone because the approval has come from God who has stamped the Holy Spirit on our hearts. And that is the spirit of love that tells us that we are God's children. And if God's for us, who can be against us? If God's love is living in our heart, does it really matter about the rest of the world? Paul wrote once, I have lost interest in the world and the world has lost interest in me, which is an awesome thing to think of. In other words, they understand I do not change from who I am because who I am is birthed in the Spirit of God. So they have lost interest. They cannot control, influence and make me do anything anymore. They cannot pull me down and make me depressed or anxious or, or sad or feeling miserable about myself because on the other side, I've lost interest in all those things, the temporary things of this world that bring me happiness but never bring me joy. My interest is in Him, the one who loved me and sent His Son to die for me. Oh, trust me, Satan is going to want to pull this down in your life. In fact, this very week, you're going to have the opportunity to think it. God doesn't love me. Wrong. He loves you. You're going to have the opportunity to give up when times are tough because you don't think God will pull you through. Trust me, he will pull you through when you hold on to him. He is a good, loving, heavenly father. And if you're in that place right now where you think that I am insecure let me tell you right now if you lay yourself down before the spirit of god today before his throne confess it to him and ask him to come in and then seek him with all your heart things will change it's changing my life and the more i get to know him the less things matter i'm not offended easily I don't offend easily. I don't get hurt easily. I don't worry (laughs) if people don't like me because I know God loves me. But you know what else happens? I begin to change. Because as I open myself up to the Spirit of God, I become the person that I'm meant to be. Not the person that the world tries to fashion me into but who God made me to be. Hmm. Do you want that confidence? This is the funny thing. Excuse me, (laughs) spitting everywhere. You'll hear this time and time and time and time again. And I will preach it every day until I die. And you will get sick of it. And you will hear it. And you will go, yeah, that's what I need to do. And then you might just go away like that son in the story I told before that says, yeah, I'm going to do it, but you don't. You want to know who you are? There's only two ways that I know of. Read the Bible. 
Find out what God is to you. Read the Bible. Take time to reflect on the Word of God and pray and spend time in His presence. Christianity is not rocket science, guys. It really isn't. And yet so many of us travel through this life because we just fail to do the easy, most basic things. Let the Word change you. Look in the mirror. Let it change you. Pray and spend time with God. I don't have time for that. You don't have time not to. Because as you do, you will begin to understand who you are. And that, my friends, is the difference between a life of victory and a life of defeat. (laughs) There's no other way. There's no other way. Let me throw that out to you today. There's no other way. Only Jesus. That's it. And sometimes I think we just want to complicate our Christian life. And it's actually quite miserable trying to live up to expectations that aren't even from God. Ever found that? This morning, I just want to pray for people at the front here that might feel that way. Now, as I've gone through those points, maybe you're identified with one of them. Maybe you're a controller. Maybe you're always controlled. Maybe you're always anxious. Maybe you're always fearful. Maybe you're trying to make people in your image and act how you want them to act and become authoritarian. Maybe that's you. Maybe you don't trust God will supply all your needs. Maybe you won't trust him for protection and safety or to guide your path. A big list there, isn't there? Now, I'm not saying that we know who we are straight away. Imagine you're an adopted child. They came from somewhere else, but all of a sudden they find themselves in a family, and that's what it's like with God. There's things in your life that aren't going to change straight away, but the more time you spend with him, around him, knowing his word, living in his spirit, walking with other Christians as well. You become like the one you love. And if you want to learn about God, it's a natural process. But trust me, it will happen. So we can pray this morning and maybe... Things won't change straight away. But let me tell you this. We're going to ask for God's covering over you. We're going to ask that he begins to change your mind. We're going to ask that this seed begins to grow. We're going to ask that you have the strength and make a decision to get close to God because that's what will change it. The prayer this morning probably won't. But it can start to change that mindset and maybe open up the veils that might be there in front of you. Let's pray. I'll leave the front open for anyone who wants prayer in that area. But we are God's kids, guys. We are God's kids. We're adopted in, given the privileges of Jesus. It's pretty cool. Thank you, Lord. I just want to pray, Father God, this morning that, Lord, we would all grab hold of your word and become like you, Father, that we would make the decision 
to be your children, to spend time with you. Let you rub off on us, Lord God, so that the love that you've given us goes out to this world through us. In Jesus' name. Front will be open. Perhaps this morning you've never actually received Jesus and you don't really know who you are. Well, guess what? You never will without him in your life. I just want to give the opportunity, if that's you this morning, to just pray with me and ask him into your heart. And I'd love you to just talk to your family member, the person you came with. If you came by yourself, please come and see me afterwards and say, I prayed that prayer with you, Neil. Or fill out the card, that green card that says, I made a decision for Jesus today. You could do that as well. And then someone will contact you and just have a chat with you about that decision. If that's you this morning, i just get you to pray with me. Father God, I'm sorry for my sin. I just want to turn my life around today. From this day on, I want you to be the center of my life. I thank you that Jesus died on the cross for me, that he rose from the dead. And Lord, you promised that you would give me new life if I call upon your name, that I would be saved. Come into my life today. I believe in your son. Set me free. In Jesus' name.